and some prizes and things. And as well, we're going to be having a, a little booth to be able to give out um, gospel tracts, literature about church and things, try to get some kids signed up for our kids program. Um, and then as well, uh, Lord willing, try to be able to pray for them and pray over these bags, pray over these families. And so if you can come be a part of any of that, we would love to have you. Um, then on uh, coming up, just sort of a, an announcement for you guys and for myself as well. Um, later this month, August 19th through the 24th, um, I will be uh, gone and being a part of a revival up in Michigan. So grateful for God to give me that opportunity. Uh, so Kimmy and I will be gone, but here's your guest uh, lineup here. We've got um, A.J. James, will be, uh, our missionary. Uh, he's going to be preaching on Sunday, doing Sunday school and the morning service. Y'all come out, support him, and I praise God that he can come out and to preach for you. And then that Wednesday night that I'm gone, Brother Tony Hicks will be leading a prayer request, and his brother Zeb Hicks will be leading the Bible study. And so y'all come out, support them, support the church. Just because I'm gone don't mean church ends, all right? Y'all keep coming. Y'all come and hear what God has for you. I know that God will bless those services. Then Thursday, August 25th, from noon to 4, there will be Red Cross will be here for a blood drive. And then, of course, just a reminder for the women's ministry, uh, the Clater Lake Women's Retreat is coming up soon, and the $50 deposit is due now, and uh, we hope that you can uh, be a part of it. I know that you will not regret it at all, uh, but uh, lots going on, lots of things to be thankful for, but let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, prepare our hearts now for worship. I hope that you're here today, you're excited to worship God, I hope you, hope you know Him, I hope you're expecting something from His Word, and I believe that He will give you exactly what you need today, uh, but let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Grateful that we can gather, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we pray that now you would give us the strength physically and spiritually to do just that. That you would uh, just bind our hearts to you. That you would have our eyes opened up to see your goodness and your glory. To see your grace and your faithfulness in our life. That you would give us ears to hear your word. To, to hear the saints around us sing praise and worship to you. God, you alone are worthy. God, we do pray that you would give us hearts as well that would receive your word. Um, full of faith, full of a desire to know You. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a hunger and a thirst for unity, a hunger and a thirst, God, just to meet with You today. We pray that Your presence would be amongst us, that we would not just know that You were here and with us, but Lord, that we would experience and know uh, that You were with us, God, that we would know Your power through Your Word and through Your Spirit. God, I pray today if there's one today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray that You would convict them of their sins, draw them to repentance and faith, uh, and Lord, that they would be born again today. If there's a saint today who's struggling with just the circumstances of life, if they're struggling with their walk, if they're struggling with sin, Lord, whatever that need might be, God, I pray that you would meet it through your word. We thank you for this time. Help us now just to lift up our hearts to you as living sacrifices. Help us to lift up our voices in praise and honor to you. God, we thank you for this time, and may you be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, brethren and sisteren. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Good be in God's house with God's people. If you are able, please stand, and we'll start our singing service, hymn number 153, in the hymnal, Worthy of Worship. In Revelation 4.11, tells us, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our God, our Father in heaven, He is worthy.
song is to God be the glory hymn number 56 our psalmist tells us in 126 3 the Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad I'm glad he's done great things for me and the whole world as a matter of fact to God be the glory Corinthians 15 57 God giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ amen victory in Jesus I heard an old old story how a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. 
me. So with his redeeming blood, praise God, he loved me. Those of y'all wondering why we was hollering and occurring on, that's the way we <laughs> that's the way we do this song. When we say the word bought, God bought us, and I'm sold out to God. And with his redeeming blood, we ought to praise him for that. Amen. So we'll do that again on this next verse. Everybody's been trained up now, so I want to hear you. I heard about a mansion. He is built for me in glory, and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. God, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Praise God for the cleansing flood. Now, it's our greeting time, and before you can sit down, you've got to earn a right to sit down. You've got to turn around, wave, and smile. Welcome, everybody. Speak. If you're close enough and want to, that's up to you. You can shake your hand. But after you do all that, you may be seated. Okay, we have some special music now by our sister Ann Stone. So, Ann, you come on. Sing unto the Lord.
song touch my heart pray with me will you please our father our god in heaven we thank you so much for all you do for us thank you for this day all the blessings of life all your mercies days past days present days of future we thank you lord for that great love and mercy thank you lord that you're our hiding place thank you lord for the storms in our life that brings us Lord, to our knees and to a hiding place, a shelter. You are, Lord, in the time of a storm. We praise you for that. We just praise you for your great love. I can't tell you enough, Lord, how great your love is 
to us. We thank you and praise you for that. Lord, we just thank you so much for our pastor and ask, Lord, you bless him as he brings a message. And, Lord, use him. Lord, as your mouthpiece, as your vessel this morning, as your servant, and help him to preach and teach your word this morning. And, Lord, speak to our hearts. May we have, uh, Lord, tender hearts that we might receive your word, the preaching with gladness, and uh, be changed by it, and be willing, Lord, to be changed. And we just want to tell you, Lord, we love you for all your great love to us. Thank you for everything you've done for us and doing for us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, please stand if you're able. We're going to sing our next song, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope in life and death. In Revelation 19.1 tells us, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, Christ, our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hands? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh,
God's people in God's time. Amen. Let's give our pastor a nice welcome. I hope you have the assurance that Christ is our hope in life and death. Today, if you are living without hope, and by the way, that's a Bible word that is not just a hope so, a wishful thinking, wishing upon a star. This is not Disney. No, this is a confidence. It's something that we can rest assured, and this is an anchor for our soul it is Christ who is our hope, our confidence in life and death. It is Christ who died for us, who lives for us, and has called us one day that we too shall rise to be with Him. And one day, one day we shall see that same Jesus Christ face to face. All will be made right. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more separation. And every tear that will ever be cried will be wiped away. God shall usher us into a new Jerusalem, a heavenly city, where shall we shall dwell with Him forever and forever. That is our hope today. That is our confidence today to live today. It's the only way we'll ever make it through these dark days we're living. It's the only way we'll make it through a church service. It's the only way we'll make it through anything. Christ is our hope in life and in death. Take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Grateful as well for the song sung, for the worship lifted, for the fact that we have a victory in Jesus, uh, that there is uh, a God that we serve today who alone stands uh, worthy of worship and worthy of praise. And I'm thankful that very same God who was there in a small little boat, His disciples who knew the ocean all too well, knew the seas all too well, were there and petrified, and yet He's able to calm the storm. Today, I'm certain that there are folks today, maybe yourself included, that is having a storm in life. Trust this, that Christ and His power and His presence is enough to bring about a cease to that storm. And He is gracious enough to give you the grace to sustain you, to sustain you through that very storm. And so maybe look to Him today for all things that we need. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read for us verse 18 today. We'll pray and ask the Lord to give us what we need. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Heavenly Father, we come to You this day. God, I want to thank You for the worship that has been lifted. Thank You for stirring within hearts already through songs, through fellowship. God, I thank You for the reading of Your Word. And God, while there is just one verse here, there is so much here, Lord, if we were to truly see the cross today. Oh God, give us eyes to see You. God, give us ears to hear You. Give us hearts that are tender, that would receive You by faith. God, for every soul that's in this place today, God, there's a multitude of needs, a multitude of circumstances, 
a multitude of burdens. And God, I pray that Your cross would, would solve each one of those. And Lord, that today each one of us would see our great need of that cross today. God, I pray that You would protect us today. Protect us from the enemy who would come and to snatch away the seed as it would fall on the soil of the heart. God, I pray that You would just rid us of any distraction. Rid us of any, any burden that we've got that seems bigger than You are. God, remind us of how that cross still stands high and lifted up, blood stained for us that we might find need today, that we might find help for our needs God, I pray that You would clear my heart and my mind, allow me to be filled by You, that You would pour me out today. God, as a living sacrifice, that it would be You who would open up my mouth, that You would preach today. God, this is Your Word. This is Your Word. It's, it's Your people. It's Your church. God, You do with it as You see fit and today, that through all things, You would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have to understand today, as we look here, that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. We talked about that last week. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We have been talking about how the cross is the very power of God. But today we're going to look at it. It is not just the power of God for salvation, but it is the power of God for sanctification. I want you to know, dear believer, you still need the gospel just as much today as you did the day before you got saved. You still need the cross just as much today as you did the moment that you bowed your knee and trusted Christ as Savior. You still need the power of the cross because it's all the power that we have. The only power that we have. The only way that we could be saved is through the power of the cross. The only way that we can be sanctified is through the power of the cross. And what will lead us home? It is the power of the cross that will keep us with the work that God has begun in us. He will see to it completion. We will one day be uh, with Him forevermore. We have to understand that the cross is the very foundation of our faith. It is not just central, but it is the very foundation of which all things rise and fall. Truthfully, if we were to understand the depth of the work of the cross of Christ, we would see that it is all that we need. It is all that we need to be saved. It is all that we need to be sanctified and it is all that we need to one day be glorified. It is all found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That old rugged cross is something that we should still sing about and shout about. It's still something that we should cling to because we have nothing else that we can cling to except for that cross of Calvary. Watchman Nee writes, long-lasting victory can never be separated from a long-lasting stand on the foundation of the cross. Dear believer, many of us today have lost our way. We have lost power in our churches. We've lost power in preaching. We've lost power over sin in our life because we have taken a step off of the cross. We have taken a step away from the cross and one step is one step too many. We need to cling to the old rugged cross and one day we will exchange it for a crown. But nevertheless, today we must cling to that cross. We must live in the victory that that cross has provided. Victory over our sin. Victory over ourselves. Victory over the devil himself. Victory over this world. The victory that we have is not found in ourselves, and it's not found in church. It is found in Christ. It is found in Christ who has founded and bought His church. It is found in Christ who is building His church. And I would tell you today that Christ is building up every believer in this place today. The issue today... Christ would love to build you up, would love to bless you, would love to sanctify you, would love to work a work in you, but whether or not you will and whether or not you will trust and accept and receive that gift by faith, oh, that, that's entirely up to you today. But God would love to do a great work in this church. God would love to do a work in His church. That's how God has established the church. That's why He's established the church, to do a work through us and in us. But I would tell you that before we ever do a work for God, we've got to understand that it is Christ who must do the work in us it is Christ who must do the work through us, and ultimately the work is done for Christ. In the cross, what we find is the unending power of God to save and to sanctify any sinner who will come by humble faith. 
It is unending. That cross is still the power of God to salvation and sanctification today. It is still the preaching of the cross that gets the job done. It is still the foolishness of God that confounds the wise and the wisdom of this world because truly the wisdom of this world is not even a drop in the bucket compared to God's knowledge. Who can search the mind of God? Who can know Him? Who can give Him advice? Who can tell Him what to do? It is He alone who has established the foundations of this world. It is He alone who before uh, He even spoke, let there be light, had already ordained and had a focus of the cross. Do not think that the cross somehow was God's plan B or C. The cross has always been central to save a people, to sanctify them, to call them out, to build them up, to prepare them for a work, to set us apart. Real victory is only found in this cross. And we can never divorce sanctification from justification. And neither can ever be divorced from the cross. We are justified, which is to be saved, declared righteous in the sight of God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I will tell you today, dear saint of God, you want to know how you'll be sanctified? Through that same cross. We can never separate either that God does the justifying and we do the sanctifying. If we could do the sanctifying, then don't you think we could make ourselves better? Don't you think we could eventually be accepted by God? But see, we can't. You see, if we can't save ourselves, we can't sanctify ourselves. So you say, well, what does that mean? Am I just left off to myself? No, rather it means that God would love to do this work of sanctification in you. And it's only through the power of the cross. The work for your sanctification has been done, and now that work just simply needs to be applied by faith to every portion of your life, and you will watch God begin to reveal you things through His Word, by His Spirit. You will begin to see Him take away sins in your life. You will begin to see real delivery, real victory. In this, what we find is that the cross is our pardon of sin, but the cross is what gives us power over sin. The cross is what pardoned us that day on Calvary, the moment we trusted Jesus, the moment we were washed by the blood, we were washed, saved once and for all. We are now pardoned from sin. Praise God for that. Amen. Now, we ought to be thankful for it, but the second thing it does is it's that same cross that now gives us today, in this moment, in this hour, in our sanctifying walk with the Lord until we draw our last breath or until He raptures us out of here. Even so, come Lord Jesus. May even come now before I'm done preaching. Gives us power over sin. When you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of sin no longer do you have to answer to. Matter of fact, we now have the power over it, but it's not power that we have on our own, not in our own flesh, but rather through the power of the cross. The cross stands today as the power of God for our sanctification. Outside of the cross and left to ourselves, we would remain unjustified, but as well we would remain unsanctified. You need the cross today, and there are countless saved people in churches today who are somehow thinking, God saved me, and now I've got to do the rest. I want you to know the reason why you're restless, the reason why you have no victory over your sin, is because you can't ever get it. You can't ever get it in your flesh. And the moment you realize that if I can't save me, and I can't sanctify me, then what you will find is freedom at the cross. You will find power over sin. That is when you will begin to find that God can start taking away the power of sin in your life. That's where you'll begin to find delivery from addiction, delivery from, from these pet sins that you continuously go back to. I want you to know it is found in the cross. That is our hope. 
That is our only hope. It is our only confidence because if we could put confidence in our flesh to save us, well, then we could put confidence in ourselves to sanctify us. But I can tell you this, you're looking at someone who in my flesh, I'm the most unsanctified, wicked, vile sinner that there is. I think thoughts that would make you blush. I think things that would make you go, how could he be a pastor? And I've asked the same thing, my dear friend, but it's from the cross. If we were to truly understand the depth of our sin, the holiness of God, and then we would see the cross where God's justice and mercy meet, we would find there that that is not only the power that saves me, but that's the power that sanctifies me and that God would love to do this work in you. I want you to know today, dear saint of God, God doesn't want to, for you to stay wallowing in sin. God doesn't want you to keep losing this battle to the devil and to the flesh. He has given you victory and power at the cross. And He simply wants you to receive it by faith. The same way that you got saved by faith will be the same way that you are sanctified. We are saved by grace. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? Because we would boast about it, wouldn't we? And it, how do we receive it? By faith. That is salvation. What do you think sanctification is? It is a gift of God. It is a work of God. But how do we receive that work, my friend? It is through faith. When I trust and look at the cross, what I see is not just my salvation, but I see there's the Savior who now got off that cross and lives for me. And now I can live for Him, but not by my flesh, not by my strength, not by my power, not by my gifts, but through Him and Him alone. If the cross has saved you, then it will sanctify you. The reason why we stay unsanctified, the reason why we stay unholy, the reason why we stay wallowing in sin, the reason why we continue to live without power in our churches and our preaching and in our daily walk is because we choose to. God would have you to have victory. Last I checked, when I walked in this place, and I walk in this place, I think, eight days a week, <laughs> it still says Victory Way Baptist Church. And I would tell you today, the way through victory is not through coming in this church. It's coming to the cross. The way to victory is already there. And it stands as this beautiful picture of God's sacrifice of His own Son and His death for us and now His life in us. First of all, we want to look today two things. First of all, the problem of sanctification. We could boil this down. You know the problem of your sanctification? Well, it's the one that stared at you this morning when you combed your hair and brushed your teeth. It's the one that got you here. Now, if someone else drove you here, then you don't blame them, all right? Sanctification, and the reason why we aren't as spiritual as God would have us to be, the reason why we don't live as holy as we ought to, and we know it, but we go, well, you know, I, I, I could be more holy. I could be more sanctified. You know, God's working on me. Well, He'd work on you a whole lot more if you just surrender to Him. If you would just simply say, you know, Lord, I can't do this in, in my own strength. You know something, there is freedom in finding this. That the more we strive, what do we find? Strife. The more we find this sort of working to try to gain God's favor. I want you to know, the cross says you no longer can or should try to gain God's favor. Because you can't. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. The cross says favor has been given to you despite your sinfulness. And now... It is a gift of God's grace to sanctify you despite your sinful flesh. And that now in this battle of becoming more sanctified, becoming Christ-like, it is this. It is a putting off of the flesh, a putting on of Jesus. It is a, a, a submission of our fleshly mind and putting 
in or on the mind of Christ, to let His mind be in us. What it is, is a life that says, God, I can't, but you can. Right? Think about this. When you got saved, what did you say? I don't know what you said, but you probably said something a little bit like this if you really think about it. God, I can't save me, but only you can. That's salvation. What do you think we ought to do? Dear saint, you've you got a sin you're struggling with. You've got a storm in your life. You've got something you're struggling with. You've got something you just can't seem to break through. Quit! Quit trying so hard because you're fighting yourself and you're fighting the Lord. He wants to do the work through you. Go simply, Lord, in my flesh, I can't fix this problem. In my flesh, God, I've got no power over sin. But God, you do. You do. It's in the cross. You see, the problem is often ourselves, but the Corinthian church here, and the reason why he starts off with the cross is because that's what they needed. Because the cross is the, the problem for salvation. It was the solution of salvation. It is the solution of our sanctification. The Corinthian church was full of issues and problems, all of which are solved by the gospel, all of which are solved by the cross of Christ. You follow this book all the way through, what do you end up with? A whole chapter on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation, but it is the power of God for your sanctification. We're talking about a real church Real people, real problems. We're talking about even a church like us. Now, praise God, I haven't heard about some of the sins going on in Corinthians. If I do, we're going to start preaching on them. <laughs> but you think about this. I want you to understand this. You can be saved and in a church and attempting to serve God in your flesh, and you will get nowhere. There will be no fruit, real fruit, See, the reason why we have disunity, the reason why we've got sin, the reason why we've got all these issues in church is because we're doing church in the flesh. The reason why we struggle so hard to try to find victory is because we're struggling to have it in the flesh. But it's a spirit that conquers the flesh. It's the spirit that gives victory over this. And it's found at the cross. There's three things that I want to look at real quick that they had with their problems in the church. First of all is division. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not by His name. Today, I would tell you this, I don't come in my name. Right? If I could go sell ice cream, I'd go sell ice cream. I'm here today because God called me. Why? I don't know. And God needs you to know the truth and me to know the truth of the Word of God that we would submit to the Word of God, that we might see the power of God in our life. But before we see the power of God in our life, we've got to see that we've got some problems and some issues. And he begins and he gets straight to the point. We're 10 verses in here, this letter, and he's like, hey, I'm here, I'm writing to you. And then he gets straight to it. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Some of us would like to think that we are like the Church of Philadelphia, brotherly love. We all just lovey-dovey with each other. We know everybody. We pray for everybody. We're all just walking in the Spirit. Boy, that'd be nice, but guess what? We're not. Sometimes we're not even like Laodicean church. We're not even like the church at Ephesus that uh, has all this knowledge and has just sort of left its first love. Well, they can fix that. No, here's the issue. Sometimes we're just like this fleshly, worldly, carnal church. We just hide it real good because that's what us us Baptists here in the South like to do. We might not be guilty of these big old gross sins out in the world, and if we are, we just won't tell nobody. We'll make sure that nobody can see it. We'll hide behind our fig leaves, hide behind our church membership, hide behind a tree, and yet God still sees. And nobody's truly fooled. You see, there were divisions here. 
And a church without unity is a church without power. And the reason why we don't have power in our churches, well, it's because we're so disunited, aren't we? I'm not just talking about denominationalism. You need some lines drawn about the gospel. You need some lines drawn about how far is too far and things that you'll do. And I praise God that there are churches that preach the Bible that don't look like us and they're reaching people that aren't like us. And praise God, God's used them. Amen? I ain't competition with nobody. Hey, if somebody needed to start a church and they needed a place, they could go in the gym. I wouldn't care. See, the gospel is much bigger than us. The gospel is much even bigger than our name and our own personalities, our own thoughts, our own opinions, and especially our own opinions. And we got plenty of those. The gospel is bigger than divisions. It is only the gospel, it is only the power of the cross that brings what is divided together. You see, there was a point in time in your life and in my life when before when we were without Christ, we were at enmity with God. We were enemies of the cross. We were enemies of God. And God, through the power of the cross, saved us, took an enemy of His own and saved them. And now we are sons and daughters of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We are not just servants, but we are able by the Spirit of God to cry, Abba, Father, to cry out to our Heavenly Father, to cry out to Him any day. He might be sitting on the throne, but it's a throne of grace that you and I can approach the blood of Jesus Christ. You can approach, you can go anytime, place, anywhere, and you ought to do that. He desires that we would come unto Him. Why? So that we can receive the blessedness of knowing Him, of fellowship with Him, of forgiveness, of restoration, of renewal, all of those things of which He'd love to give to us, all those things which are available to you today, dear Son of God, that's struggling and it's found at the cross. This division, though, you see, the cross is a bridge, and it bridges the gap that sin divides. I would tell us today that if your eyes are on Jesus and His cross, then they won't be on the ones who have wronged you, disagreed with you, or even hated you. Today we must do, as we often sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. You see, the more I see the cross, and the bigger the cross is in my life, the bigger the cross is in, in, in my life, and in my eyes, and in my vision, the bigger the cross is, the smaller sin is, the smaller problems are, the smaller storms are, the smaller divisions are, the smaller all these opinions and thoughts are, because all that truly matters, because what brings us together as a church of God and holds us firm and fast is the cross of Jesus. Second thing that we find, i got to hurry, i got three more hours. Whew, y'all sit back. Disorder is the second thing we find. You want to know a scripture for where they find all the disorder in the church? Just read 1 Corinthians. This place was a mess. It was no different. And churches have not changed since the first century. Because people have not changed since the first century. There are some churches that have had some messes made. And every time a mess is made in a church, it's not made by God. It's made by sinful man. And when we make those messes, I want you to know that there's nothing that we can do to clean it up. God can, though. And only a total surrender of God's people to God's Word through God's Spirit will we find building back what is broken. Only through that will we find unity where there was none. Only through that will we find order out of chaos. You see, the church had disorderly individual Christians. Therefore, it had a disorderly church. Let me ask you, who wants to have a better church? All right, you ready? Let's be better members. Amen? That's what we need. Hey, if you want a better church, be a better member. Let God do that work. It takes every individual doing their part. We are a part of the body. And guess what? If some parts of the body aren't being a part of the body, then we've got some problems. The body ain't going to function right. 
you need the church, the church needs you, but even more specifically, we have to as individuals understand how much we truly need the cross of Christ to even do church. Some of us have been doing church so long that we've forgotten that Christ is supposed to be in it. Some of us doing church so long in our flesh that we've never got anything accomplished. We think that church is supposed to be something that we just take on, take off, we do, we don't do, and it's just a little part of our life. No, church is not supposed to be part of your life. Matter of fact, it's if Christ is the center point of your life, then church will be a part of it. Nevertheless, it has to be Christ who is preeminent in all things. Not even the church, not your work, not your family. It's Christ who is preeminent. And this. We find that their disorder all throughout this letter that he writes to the Corinthians, he calls them out on their sin. There's a misuse of gifts. Hey, and I thank God God has gifted many men and women with knowledge, with abilities, with talents, with things that they can do for the Lord. But guess what? Some of those same gifts and talents are also a great hindrance to the gospel. Sometimes all this talent and all this knowledge that we have from sitting on a pew and from being a part of church for so long is our biggest hindrance to the simple truth that we need Jesus, that we need Christ, that we must be totally dependent upon Him for every step we take, every breath, we, every breath that we ever have in or out. Every time that we come to church, we need Christ. When you leave this place, you need Christ. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you need Christ. When you go to work, you need Christ. When you're retired, you need Christ. We need Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. They had misuse and abuse of His grace. God had been gracious to the church at Corinth just like He's been gracious to us. And every day God gives us grace and how often we abuse it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What did Paul say? God forbid! No, of course not. I wonder oftentimes how much we know, oh yes, I need God's grace, I need God's grace. And we know we need it so much that we just get so uncaring about abusing it. God does not desire just to dispense us grace so we'd keep abusing it. God desires to give us grace that we won't abuse it. The power that God gives to us is not to help us after the fact, but rather to get us through so we don't have to go through that. Now look at this. Not only do they have an abuse of grace, but they have total disorder in the way that they're conducting themselves in church. This is a place where they got people who are jumping up, speaking in tongues, no interpreters. They got people who are preaching that ain't supposed to be preaching. They got people who are showing up for the Lord's Supper and they're pigging out, and then the poor people show up last and they don't get a thing to eat. We've got a whole bunch of issues. Y'all think we're messed up. They're pretty messed up. They might make us feel a little bit good about ourselves, but nevertheless, we shouldn't feel so good about ourselves. We ought to see this. We're in just as much need of the cross as they are. In the midst of all their sinfulness, in the midst of all their issues, what is the answer? The preaching of the cross. That's the power to deliver them from these things. A church with unruly behavior is a church without power. We also find a downgrade. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3. through 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Let me ask you, are babies supposed to grow? Yes. All right, you guys got that. Now, how about a spiritual babe in Christ? Are they supposed to grow? Yes. And what are they doing? They're not growing. Some folks have been sitting on a pew so long that they still got messy diapers, they've never been changed. Some folks have been on a pew so long that, that they haven't been burped. That they're not growing. They're not feeding on anything more than milk. And we wonder why we're not growing. God has much more for you than you think. God has much more to give to you than you think He does or more than you think you can handle. You can't handle it in your flesh, but you can in the Spirit. And He's given you a new Spirit. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you a new desire, a new life, 
a new ability to trust and to walk rightly before Him. He's given you the power. In this, we also see in their downgrade, He goes on, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. He says, I've been away from you for some time, and you still can't take no meat. What a shame that is, dear church. He says, for ye are yet carnal. Boy, the Word of God needs to get a hold of us much more than the world. We've got so many anchors and things holding us down in this world. We care much more about our things. I want you to know, everything you own one day is going to burn up. So stop loving it so much. Start loving the Christ who has delivered you from that power, who has delivered you from that oppression, who has delivered you from that sinfulness, who has delivered you from this very world. This world's going to fade away one day. From the very moment that we behold our Savior who died on this cross for us, this world won't matter no more. He says, For whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, and ye are carnal and walk as men. We're called to live spiritual lives full of life, full of vibrance, full of victory. Why? Not because we attain to it, but rather it's already been attained for us at the cross of Jesus. Every Christian in church is on a, is on a slippery slope. It will be on a slippery slope that does not keep the cross as the focus. We hear a lot of times, keep the main thing the main thing. You know what the main thing is? It's the cross. That's what saves. That's what sanctifies. That's what allows us to be servants of Him. It's all through the power of the cross. You see, a church without growth, it's a church without power. And I'm not talking about booming in numbers because you can swell in numbers and not really grow. Real growth happens as inward individuals begin to yield themselves to God, yield to the cross, and begin to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as we were designed and meant to. That's what Jesus died for, by the way, to let you live now for Him. We find real growth happens individually, then corporately, but if you yourself are not growing, don't expect the church to. We'll watch it continue to go on this downgrade. If you have diminished power, it's because you have diminished the cross. What we need... It's the same thing now, the same thing that saved us, and that is the cross of Jesus. Now look at this, point number two, and then we're done. (laughs) The power of sanctification. It's the cross that gives us that. If it's the cross that gave you the power to be saved, that made the way, that gave you a pardon for your sin, it is that very same cross that now gives you power over it. Because you know something, when the devil comes and tells you how bad you are, he's right. But you take him on back to that cross and show him what Jesus already done. But when your own heart starts to condemn you and tells you, you know, you done messed up one too many times, God's not going to use you no more. He's going to stick you on a shelf or he's just going to kill you on out of here. Go ahead and go back to the cross. When you go, you know, I've got this sin in my life. I just, I want victory over it. I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as you're trying so much in your flesh, you won't find victory. But if you go back to the cross, there's already victory there. There's not victory in me. There's victory in Jesus who's bought me. Right? And now I belong to Him. I'm no longer my own. I'm no longer the devil's. I'm no longer the world's. I have a new master and He's far more good and kind to me than I could ever imagine. First of all, with the power of sanctification, I want you to know it is God's will. God's will is for you to be sanctified. He said, be holy as I am holy. You say, well, I can't do that. No, you can't in your flesh. He can through you though. 
He's given you a new nature. But that old man still wants to rear up his ugly head and tell you, remember how good the world was? Remember how good your sin was? And boy, you did enjoy that sin and you enjoyed it for a season, but guess what? That season's gone. That season lasted that long and nothing truly satisfies except for Jesus. So if you want satisfaction in this world, you're not going to find it in this world. You're going to find it through the cross of Christ. And this, once you know that God has not left you to fend for yourself after He has saved you, He has given you all of Himself the moment of your salvation, and He intends to stay there. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He does not intend for you to try to walk this Christian walk by yourself because you can't do it. That's why He's given us the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us, who now we are His temple, that, that then we can conquer lust, we can conquer uh, adultery and fornication, and we can conquer lying and gossip and pride. The power is there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 tells us this, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Justification is that we are safe from the penalty of sin. This is Christ for us. He took the cross that we deserved. He died the death that we deserved. He paid the price we could not pay. The cross shows us our justification that we have Christ for us in our stead. But then here's what sanctification is. It is now that He has saved us from the power of sin and it is no longer Christ for us. That's it's justification. What about it now? Sanctification is Christ in us. The Holy Spirit of God. Christ did not abandon you once He saved you and leave you off to yourself to go try to figure this Christian thing out. Rather, He desires to walk and to live in you and through you. And we'll get to that in just a moment. You see, the will of God is to reconcile all things by His cross. Colossians 1, verse 20. Horatius Bonar writes, The secret of a believer's holy walk is His continual recurrence to the blood of the surety and His daily communion with a crucified and risen Lord. All divine life and all precious fruits of it, pardon, peace, and holiness spring from the cross. All fancied sanctification which does not arise wholly from the blood of the cross is nothing better than Phariseeism. If we would be holy, we must get to the cross and dwell there. Else, notwithstanding all our labor, diligence, fasting, praying, and good works, we shall be yet void of real sanctification, destitute of those humble, gracious tempers which accompany a clear view of the cross. What we need today is the cross. You need help in sanctification? How many of you, let's be honest, right? Did you need help to be saved? Yeah, because you couldn't save yourself. All right, I answered that one for you. Okay, I don't want no wrong answers today. Okay. How about this? Do you think that you need help by God to be sanctified? Yes. It makes sense, don't it? Why? Because if I don't have the strength to save me, if I can't turn over a new leaf or be good enough, then I can't do that either to be sanctified. If I can't be saved on my own flesh, well, then guess what? I can't be like God in my flesh, can I? Because the flesh and our flesh dwell no good thing. But look at what Christ has done. He says, come to the cross for your salvation. Come to the cross for your sanctification. The point of the matter is this, that Jesus says today, come, come, come to the cross. Come you who are weary. Come who are heavy laden and take His yoke upon you. Learn of Him. He's meek and lowly at heart. He will give rest for our souls. Rest is found at the cross. Rest 
is found in His finished work. God's will is for you to live in the cross, at the cross, and by the power of the cross. And I would tell you this today, that if you keep trying in your own flesh to be better, to do better, to be a better member, to be a better Christian, you'll be so frustrated, you'll be ready to pull your hair out. And some folks are. And they're just a step away from opening up their hands and surrendering to God and realizing the power of the cross has been released to us through the Spirit of God to find victory. You want to know? Brother Bonar is right here. He says that those who keep trying in their flesh to do what only God can do, it's nothing more than Phariseeism. Phariseeism doesn't just look like shirts and ties and real long skirts and some culottes. No. Phariseeism looks a whole lot like me going, I've got to do better. I've got to sanctify me. I've got to get right with God. I've got to somehow earn His favor. I've got to earn God's look. I've got to earn His power. I've got to earn. I've got to earn. That's Phariseeism. What the cross says is don't look to yourself. Don't look to religion. And don't even look to to church or church people or men who preach. He says, look to me and I'll take care of those things. What we need is to look to the cross. Do you have a clear view of that cross today? I truly believe that there are many who have seen the cross and they've been saved, but they need a fresh look of the Savior again to be sanctified. That you need to see not only was that power available to save you, but God has power today to give you power over your sin. Don't think that God wants you to wallow and to stay in this state of ups and downs that you're in right now. God would have us to live in victory that He's given. Second thing we find about the power of sanctification is that it is God's work. This is the part that we don't like because this is counter to our nature. Our human nature says, I, I, I. Remember, it was the very first sinners there in the Garden of Eden. The moment they sinned, they said, you're naked, I'm naked. This ain't good. What'd they do? They grab some fig leaves, they sew them up, they make aprons to cover up themselves, their own hands. What do we then find with Cain and Abel? The first sacrifices that we see there in the Bible. Cain, his own works, his own fruits and vegetables, his own labor. You and I naturally want to have our part. And why do we do it? Why do we say, what can I do? Notice how many people came to Jesus in His ministry and said, what must I do to be saved? How can I enter the kingdom of heaven? How can I have my sins forgiven? How can I? How can I? How can I? Why? Because we trust in these hands and not the hands that formed the world. We trust in these hands and not the hands that were outstretched and bloodied for you. We must never trust these hands because all this does is make a mess. We must never trust in hands that can't form the world. We must not trust in the hands that weren't outstretched on a cross. We must trust in the hands that were pierced for our transgressions. The cross is the saving and sanctifying work of God. It is Christ in us that sanctifies us as we by faith live by His Spirit, which He has given. He's given Himself. I'm going to give you some Scripture. I'm going to give you the reference. I'm going to read it for you so you ain't got to flip, okay? i still got two and a half hours. I told you already. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. I'm going to read it again. Look at this. Notice this in particular now. Such were some of you, but, amen, ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse ends there. No! 
and by the Spirit of God. What drew you to salvation? The Spirit of God. What will sanctify you? The Spirit of God now in you. Because just a few short verses later, he goes over what we talked about. He talks about how do we have conquerors over fornicating and idolatry and adulterers and all these things that we have in chapter 6 in the church of Corinth. He says to know this, that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How do we in our spirit, our inner man, give glory to God? How do we do this? Well, we can't in our flesh. It is a surrender to God's work in us. God's made it very easy. But we in our hands, we want to say, I did it. Why? Because we want to boast. The reason why we look at other church members and say, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so. We never say it out loud because we're not brave enough, are we? Boy, you'd have a panic attack if God opened up your mouth like a donkey in the Old Testament and just said, well, here, you're going to talk now. You're going to go ahead and insert your foot right in there. Go ahead and tell so-and-so how much better you are. And I'd love for that so-and-so to look you in the eyeball and say, not at the cross. No. How about this? 1 Peter chapter 1. Here, Peter's writing says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the stranger scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, look at verse 2. Elect as the church of God, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit. It's capital S, isn't it? That's not yours neither. It's His work in us. Christ in you. Christ in you. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. How about this? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse number 13. I encourage you to read verses 1 through 17. I encourage you to read the book of Romans. I encourage you to read and see what God has given us in His Spirit. He says in verse 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. How can you conquer sin? How can you conquer pride? How can you conquer a a lack of forgiveness? How can you conquer bitterness? How can you conquer gossip? How can you conquer all these wicked sins that we see out in the world? How can we conquer? How can we conquer sin in our body that does wrong? It speaks wicked things. It thinks wicked thoughts. It listens to wicked things. It watches wicked things. It goes to wicked places. And it moves and does wicked things with an evil, wicked motive. How do we conquer it? What did He tell us? Through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. Do you think that God expects you and your flesh to put to death the flesh? No, because the flesh loves it. You love you some you, I love me some me. But the Spirit draws us to repentance. The Spirit draws us to Christ and shows the power that you don't have to live in sin no more. Will you sin? Absolutely. Why? Because this mortal flesh has not been put on immortality yet. This corruptible meaning that it is capable of being corrupted, has not yet put on incorruption. So this is a daily battle. A moment-by-moment battle even. Don't think that once you're going to wake up and go, Lord, I'm giving you this day, and then by 10 o'clock that you're not going to sin. You will! But then at 10 o'clock when you sin, guess what? Lord, I'm going back to the cross. That's my only hope for the rest of this day. God, I'm not going to give up on this day because you haven't. If you did, you'd take me out of here we would but realize what Christ has done for us. How about this? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 
uh, 16 through 19, he says that he would grant you. That he would grant you, and here's what he says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It is a demonstration of the glory of God to do this work in you. God wants to help you with your sin. Why would we fight him? We're like a little child who is trying to open up a box of cookies that mama just gave to us. And mama says, do you want help? No! I can do it myself. The whole thing. We laugh because we've seen it and we've done it. God has given us something far greater than a box of cookies. He's done the work for us. He says, let me help you. used to sing a song, I Must Tell Jesus. Why? Because I cannot bear these burdens alone. Can't bear them. If we could, then we'd be God. And we ain't, in case he's wondering. Look at this. He goes on and he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So how do you receive this gift, this work of sanctification? It's His work in you, but you will never know it unless you trust Him. And what is faith? Surrender. When you got saved, you had surrendered to Him and said, I can't save me. This is you. It's by your mercy I'm saved. It's by your grace I'm saved. God, I've got nowhere to turn to, nowhere to go. I can't trust myself. I can't trust in religion. I can't trust my good works. But I can trust in you and your good work. So what must we do for sanctification? To realize it. The same faith it takes to save is the same faith in Christ's work that it takes to sanctify. He says that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God desires that you would be filled. He doesn't desire for His Christians to keep running on empty. How many Christians are going to have to burn themselves out into a flame and they go, well boy, they just worked themselves to death and now they're out of church, they're out of God's will. Why? Why? Because they're trying to do the work that God desires to do through them. We must simply, yes Lord, there's freedom in it and there's victory in it. How about this? Galatians 2.20 We find the cross there, Christ died for us, but now we see at the cross, we died too, and now how do we live? Christ in us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. God has given people gifts and talents and a multitude of things to serve Him, but guess what? You can use those things in your flesh and still not really be serving Him. You will only serve Him as you trust Him with every work, every step, everything. He says this, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You will never know the sanctifying power of the cross until you truly grasp the saving power of the cross. But what you ultimately need is that very same cross. We can only see the work of sanctification in our life when we abide and dwell in the work that has already been done. 
We will never accomplish or do a work for God unless we see that the work has been done and that He desires to do a work through us. J.C. Ryle writes, and I want you to pay attention to this ending here. He who supposes that Jesus Christ only lived and died and rose again in order to provide justification and forgiveness of sins for His people has yet much to learn. That takes some humility, by the way. Some of us need a, a little sip every now and again of that. He says this, Whether he knows it or not, he is dishonoring our blessed Lord and making Him only a half-Savior. The Lord Jesus has undertaken everything that His people's souls require, not only to deliver them from the guilt of their sins by His atoning death, but from the dominion of their sins by placing in their hearts the Holy Spirit, not only to justify them, but also to sanctify them. He is thus not only their righteousness, but their sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Because if He wasn't our sanctification, we would glory in ourselves. The cross is needed to remind us of our great need and there will never be a moment or a millisecond that you will not need the cross of Christ. You need Jesus for everything. And the moment you realize that, the moment I realize that, then we'll see some power, then we'll see some victory, and then we'll find real freedom as we were meant to live in. If it was our work, and I know that there's someone out there asking right now, but what's my part? What is my part in this? How do I do it? I'm going to answer it in the fullness next week, but I'm going to give you the gist right now. You ready? How can I do it? Where's my part to play in this? It's this. It's understanding that, first of all, if it was our work, then we would boast, and God's grace and cross would be made of none effect. That's first of all. You've got to understand that. Second thing is this. That our work, you ready? Our work in sanctification is to die to our work and live by His work. That is where sanctification is. It is a death to my work and a living through His work. That's where I have life. It is through Christ's death, burial, and life. He's alive today. That's where we find it. Nowhere else. Lastly, His Word. It's God's will that sanctifies. It's God's work that sanctifies. And it's God's Word that sanctifies. John 17.17 17 tells us, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Then He tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. The Spirit through the Word of God sanctifies us. The Spirit sanctifies us through the Scriptures. You will never be sanctified if you are not in the Word of God. You will never be sanctified in conquering sin unless this Bible has conquered you. You will never get a hold of the power of God unless the power of God through the Word of God has gotten a grip on you. And I'm afraid that some of us, we know the truth in our minds. We know what we ought to do because you don't have to tell a new believer that they need to read, pray, study the Bible, meditate, learn Scripture. We know those things. And all of us in this place know those things. And yet we still live without power. We still live without victory. And why do we do it? Because we are living outside of how God intended for us to. You say, I'm not in no gross sin. Well, praise God you're not. But guess what? It's just as wicked and vile of a sin to not go to the cross and to neglect the gift that God has given us. 
It is a sin to neglect your Bible, dear saint. It is a sin to neglect the Spirit within you that draws you to the Scripture, that draws you to the cross. It's a sin. And it's the very sin that depletes us of all power, depletes us of our energy, of our strength, of our peace, of our assurance. We see a surrender to the Spirit and the Scripture. That will bring sanctification. The cross gives us power as we submit to the Word of God in order to have power to do the work of God which fulfills the will of God. You may ask, how can I do this? How can I be sanctified? How can I have the power to be sanctified? John Owen wrote, to suppose that whatever God requireth of us that we have power of ourselves to do is to make the cross and grace of Jesus Christ of none effect. First of all, realize that in your flesh you can't. And that's a good thing. Because that means it's God's grace as we trust Him by faith through Christ and He gets the glory. That's it. Not in your flesh. So how do you obtain it? How do you work it out in your own life? I told you we'll answer in fullness next week, so y'all better come back. But in short, it's by faithful obedience to the Word of God through the Spirit of God. Do not neglect either one, nor divorce one from the other. You can read the Bible in the flesh and get nothing from it. But to read it in the Spirit, boy, it's a living book, isn't it? In this, I want to help you. We must trust in the powerful work of Jesus' cross and want everyone to do this. It sounds silly. I want you to see this. Everybody, if you can, to make a fist. Make two of them if you can. If you look silly, so does everyone else. All right? And when you make a fist, what does this show? Strength, defiance, authority. We even see raised fists in defiance of I am my own authority, I have strength, I have power. And if you fell down today, would you lift up your fist for me to pick you up? No, you lift out a hand. Now do that. Come on. This receives help from the Lord. This can't. This receives what we need from Christ. This reaches up and reaches out to God our Father, through the cross of Christ, and receives all that you will ever need to conquer sin. This alone is able to reach and be picked up into the arms of your Heavenly Father to be placed upon His lap to find peace, comfort, assurance, and power to live and to walk in newness of life. Let go of those fists. Find victory and release. Find the blessing of God that He would pour out into you if you would simply... Put up your hands. Dear saints, we're still yet nothing more than beggars. A beggar. He don't find help holding his fist going, will you help me, help me, help me, help me? With no open hands. No. Will you help? If you need help today with your sin, you need help today in your life, you need help to work your job for the glory of God, to honor your family, uh, to, to live in rightly, to have a unity, to have all these things. Open up your hands.
Do you feel helpless to save yourself? You should. Come to the cross. The power of God to save you. Do you feel hopeless in your fight against sin or helpless to serve God? Come to the cross. The power of God to sanctify you, to cleanse you, to be used of Him. The cross is what we need. The cross is the power for all. And all need its power. Today, would you come to the cross with open hands and receive all that you need from Christ? Let's all stand this morning. If you have a need today, you already know it. Would you come? I didn't talk this battery dry, that's fine.